0: Welcome back to another episode of Real Conversations About Aging Parents. Before we get started today, I'm going to implore you to please leave a review on the podcast that will help other people find it. One of my favorite podcasts, the host used to do this pretty much every episode, and I thought it was so annoying until I became a podcast host and realized how important that was uh, to help other people find it and to make sure that the platforms will show it in the search and promote it and things like that. So anyway, please, if you haven't already, please go leave a written review um, on whatever platform you listen to the podcast in. So thank you. Now, to get started today, uh, as I explained in a previous episode where I talked about guilt, I wanted to take specific words, and I'll do that throughout the next year, and really drill down to understand the concepts and dissect it a little bit more. It's what I really enjoy doing. And one of the concepts that's come up over and over again throughout, especially the most recent episodes that I published, is the concept of enough. So what is enough? Now, we'll discuss it in the context of caring for aging parents, but of course, most of this can be applied to pretty much anything in life. And kind of depending on your stage of life, you might be in a position where you chronically feel like you're not doing enough. For me, I have three children that are in three different directions and my husband and my grandmother and my career and my passions like this podcast and aging in place design work, things like that. Sometimes I just feel like none of those am I doing enough in any form or fashion. And the difficulty is when you're feeling that you're not doing enough then you're living in lack you're living in a gap between where you think you should be and where you are and, and no matter how far you much you've accomplished or how, how far you've come you can often just not even appreciate that or not enjoy that progress because you're still not at the elusive enough. So the word enough is a concept that's denoting whether or not something is an adequate quantity or degree, usually indicating that it's not in shortage, not in excess, that it's a satisfactory or sufficient amount of something. So do I have enough money to go to the movies? So if it's going to cost $40 to go to the movies, do I have at least $40? And in and of itself, it's really just an adjective. It just describes, like, in, in a neutral way, whether it's enough to satisfy a need or or not. So whether it's enough or not enough. But it is such an emotionally charged word when you start applying that concept, not to how much does it cost to go to the movies, but to human relationships, and if you see a lot of the, any of the literature or any of the discussions about burnout, and that can be for medical professionals or just busy parents, things like that, this, a lot of it relates to this chronic and smoldering feeling that you're not doing enough. And you're looking for signals in your life that this is not enough. And even if you get a day where the signals are, hey, I'm doing enough, I'm, I've, I've made it to enough, this is not a permanent state And so you're always chasing this idea of, am I saving enough money? Am I spending enough time with my children or my aging parents? Or am I investing enough in my career? Whatever you want to look at. So one of the things I want to take a 30,000-foot view of, and we'll talk specifically, of course, because that's the, the content of the podcast, but as it relates to how much you're doing or supporting or lending resources towards supporting an aging parent. And so I think there's three different points of view specifically as to whether or not, quote unquote, that's enough. And the first point of view is, is your own point of view. So you have your idea of what you you should be doing, and that can be based, like we've talked about, on your personal value system or cultural pressures or what have you. But whether or not I'm doing enough can be a very personal assessment versus what I think I should be doing or could be doing, and that is an internal conversation. So that's one of the perspectives of whether or not this is quote-unquote enough. The second perspective is actually from the viewpoint of the aging parent, and whether or not they feel like whatever effort or support is being expended is enough. And you've heard this come up over and over in the podcast, is the child or the adult child getting feedback from the person they're trying to support and take care of that they're not doing enough. And usually that's you don't live close enough, you don't support me enough, you don't spend enough time with me, or you're just not doing a good job. And when you hear some of the more painful moments discussed in the podcast, a lot of it is related to, hey, I I did my best or I did what I thought I I was able to do in the feedback I got was that that wasn't enough. And there's a lot of different psychological interpretations of you're not doing enough or you're not doing it correctly, those types of things. And an incredible strain on relationships where there is a... say a standard whether it's shared or not and then one person is saying that that standard is not being met and how devastating that can feel and increase that chronic stress that smoldering feeling i talked about of not doing enough and ironically it's not like getting that feedback makes you want to work harder and we'll talk about this in a future episode and that's the the concept of resentment but when when You're expending resources or time or maybe you're not able to or whatever the situation might be, and you're getting feedback from another person that that's not good enough, that will play right back into the resentment of the activities and make the activities sometimes even harder to participate in when you're constantly or frequently getting feedback that it's not enough. Because really, part of the psychological distress of that is you can't control what that other person's expectations might be. So they might say, okay, well, you, I want you to take me to the doctor, but then I also want you to take me in grocery shopping and then to a hair appointment and so forth. And, and that might not be possible for a variety of reasons. And so if it's not sequenced that way or not engaged that way, and the idea is, well, you're not doing enough, that is part of the strain on that relationship and and rarely will lead to a blossoming healthy relationship when part of that feedback system is one, unclear standards, or two, constant feedback that that it's not enough. And then the third perspective, so right, the first one was me as an adult child am i doing enough and then my definition of that and the second one is the aging parent and they think are this is someone else doing enough for me and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second and then the third perspective would be the society the culture the neighborhood the the community deciding whether or not somebody is doing enough and depending on the context right this can be a really severe judgment and i can't tell you how many people some of which I've talked to you about coming on the podcast, and they say that the judgment of sharing some of their sentiments and experiences would be so harsh from their own community or from their own family that they would be afraid to share those thoughts out loud, even anonymously, because that is how how scared they feel of experiencing the isolation or the rejection or the shame associated with not honoring your parents enough. And depending on, again, the cultural and the religious context, there can be severe social penalties for not meeting that. You can even hear it in, in some of the podcasts of, of the pressure that they get from aunts or uncles or cousins or random people, neighbors of parents who are calling the adult children saying you need to be doing more or you're not doing enough. So, you might even have multiple inputs of people telling you that what you're doing isn't good enough, which can be really (laughs) in and of itself very difficult. Now, I did want to caveat and say that there are a lot, obviously, probably the norm are aging parents who don't give any feedback at all. Like, They don't say you're not doing enough or you're doing too much or you're whatever. There's almost just unstated or non-discussed expectations, or maybe not even overt expectations that you walk into. And that can also make it difficult. Like, what are what are your thoughts about what you're going to, to need me to do? Now, a lot of times, this is a big change for that person and their functional status or their independence. And it's not like they're walking around thinking, well, let me have an open discussion with my child about what could help me out. There's just an assumption that that needs will develop and then The needs will be met somehow by the greater family or the community. So um, diving a little bit deeper, the word enough to me just sounds like, it. to me, it's a big word because I know in my head that there are a lot of people probably similar to me that use that word as a fuel, right? I need to make sure I'm always doing enough for X, Y, and Z. Am I supporting enough extracurriculars for my kids? Or am I going to the dentist enough? Am I doing these things? And so the word enough almost becomes like a hammer that you can hold over your own head and think, well, you better always be doing enough or what? And what this concept is doing is motivating us into action to avoid a future regret or shame or otherwise thinking that I've created whatever situation I'm in. So if I didn't do enough and in some certain area and something bad happens, then I don't want to look at, look back and think I didn't try my best. And so the word enough can be a very powerful fuel in multiple areas of life. And what I always tell myself, and when I talk to my my kids, especially my daughters, is to the soonest you can get off of that fuel source, especially when enough is defined by people that you can't, Well, I guess everybody right, that you can't control, deciding what enough of something is, the, the easier it will be for you. So again, dis- disassociating yourself from that as a fuel source where you're constantly motivated to try to be enough for everybody and everything all the time. And then you center differently, not from a, a scared place of, of feeling like you might be lacking or not good enough, but a more secure and confident place of knowing your value system and knowing the best that you could do any any given moment, day or year is going to be much healthier in the long run. And so, but it's a conscious effort and I'm still working on that, dissociating the enough from my my own day-to-day existence. And so, using that word in the context of aging parents is very powerful and can can go in a bunch of different directions. Now, for yourself one of the strategies here again we'll go back to the perspective of yourself of am i doing enough whatever the the status would be is to take back the control and defining that and maybe enough is doing nothing meaning you have your own obligations in your family or your career or whatever that might be and enough to you is being available or checking in or not i would challenge you as you're listening to this to to really force your brain to articulate what is enough in any given circumstance. And if we leave it undefined or vague, then the brain will consistently readjust the goalposts. And you'll see that if somebody is like losing weight or saving money or getting better and better salaries, no matter where they get, they'll adjust very quickly and then the goalposts move, and then they're always feeling like they're not enough. Now, again, I mean, some people can use this to climb and be successful, but they're doing that usually out of a goal-oriented effort, not like, oh my God, I'm not enough. I better do more. And so one of the strategies here would be to sit down with a blank piece of paper and a pen and just start sketching out. What does enough look like? Can you look at this in terms of the number of hours, or the number of contacts, or the number of resources. Now, it can be difficult in dynamic situations where the needs may be changing very quickly. Like, when the person's not in the hospital, there's not a lot to do. But when they are in the hospital, that can be a full time engagement, something like that. And and it's not so much that you're going to come up with some magical formula that says what it is. But the goal would be to understand what your value system is, and what effort can be applied to whatever the need might be, and then you can call it, like you can be the referee and take back that power of, regardless of what other people might think or other parts of the community or other parts of the family, then I feel secure because I get to define that because I'm the one who knows my life and knows what I can or cannot do. And I can determine what enough would be and then that would be my executive decision. And that is taking back what's called the locus of control that I understand what this is. Now, the needs may fluctuate over time, and I might have to go back and readjust, but I have an idea of what that would be. So, for example, in my own head, and I always find this weird because I think my at least one of my two parents listens to this podcast, and talking about this out loud does seem kind of strange sometimes, but regardless... So the idea to me is enough to me is being, at least currently, being available, being engaged, and being supportive. And when there is some crisis that comes along, to the best of my ability, making myself available to support, especially because I'm a physician and because I'm located in the same area. But I also have an idea that when push would come to shove that I don't have an expectation of myself that I would, for instance, provide personal care, showering, bathing, those types of things, that I would work with my family, work with my brothers to find some way to arrange that. And so I don't have some blank check sitting around being like, okay, what's enough? I would do everything possible to support this person physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, those types of things. That doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean that I don't care. But I have some idea, because I know how my brain works with people that I love, especially my parents, and we do have good, healthy relationships, that that there has to be some parameters of in my head what I can and and cannot do. Now, if I were to go and ask them, we'll probably closely align between what their what support they would appreciate and then what I'm able to do. That doesn't mean it will always be that way. So there could come come times in the future, and I see this all the time on the clinical side of the house, where everything is fine until the needs rapidly increase, especially unexpectedly, and that that can be really challenging to navigate. So as far as the, the, what we call the locus of control, having an idea of what does enough even look like, if I just gave you a piece of paper and, get, and I said, give me five parameters for what does enough look like. Perhaps you're already doing that, or perhaps just having those those a sketch of this in your brain can help sort of calm this down because what you don't want in almost any situation would be subject to others deciding what is or isn't enough and then giving you that feedback and then you behaving in a way to hope that they feel like it's enough. And that can be an extremely stressful situation to be in. And as part of the course that I wrote, that's part of one of the modules is just literally having that conversation. How do you sit down and decide what their expectations are? What do they feel like enough is? What How would they want these things to be handled? And having that really clear conversation about what does that look like? And then going through all the di- most common scenarios and situations for for hospital care and home care, that type of thing. And then, of course, when we get to the the idea of does society or culture or the neighborhood think it's enough, I almost never recommend <laughs> hitching yourself to that wagon. that That would be the a very difficult situation in your life where you're making decisions what's best for you or your family, and you're making decisions to help make other people happy. And I know many, 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 many people in this exact situation, and it is very stressful. And sometimes they, they feel like the penalty for ignoring those thoughts is worse than actually doing whatever it is that they're trying to do. So, But that said, you can kind of go through those different layers. So do I think it's enough? Do they think it's enough? Does the greater community think it's enough? Now, you've heard other instances just on the discussions in this podcast where you can inherently feel like that's not even a question. And I'm going to be a little... Sexist here, maybe, and say I. I strongly believe that. Am I doing enough? Is a very female question. I have met many, many people. Some of them even uh, mentioned in the podcast that that doesn't even occur to them. So whether or not they're doing enough, or they're doing, I guess if you looked at the thirty thousand foot view, very little or nothing. And they're feeling like this isn't even a discussion in their head. And that could be because of a failed relationship. That could be that there's so much brokenness and resentment, and resentment in the relationship that that's failed. Or it just could be that their own life is so, I don't know, involved or important or busy that that's just not part of what they do. But you can see this even set up between siblings. Like one sibling is like, am I doing enough? I don't know. And the next sibling is almost indifferent. And so I would beg the question, or what it begs the question is, why is that a question in your head? Where does that come from? And I don't mean this from a judgmental standpoint. I just mean this out of pure curiosity. Why, why am I feeling like this? Why is this a question I'm asking? Because if you think it's inherent in every human being to ask, am I doing enough in any given role in their life as a spouse or a parent or an employee or an employer, then you're definitely wrong. Like, that's not how that works. It is not always inherent. There's a certain awareness of others and other people's needs. You have to have that first to even have the question and generate the question, am I doing enough? And when you go and look at some some of the examples where that person is not really particularly involved, they're not often walking around feeling like they're not doing enough. It's not even a conversation in their head. Either they don't feel like that's their role or that they're, they're unable to participate in that or don't want to or have an aversion to or just extremely happy that there's somebody else who's willing to take that on. And then you talk again, talking about setting up for some resentment and other issues. That's very quickly where that happens. And you'll notice anytime I'm talking to somebody and interviewing somebody who went into this situation with siblings, I always ask about the siblings. And because that's where you can start to see some of the contrast, and very rarely is it an equally born responsibility between people based on geography or resources or, or whatever, when people kind of work things out, right? I mean, there's been some really good examples on the podcast of that working out pretty well, and then some really, really heartbreaking examples where where things have broken down very quickly, even after the person has passed away, the brokenness in some of these relationships that was set up because of who is quote-unquote doing enough or not doing enough can even persist beyond the death of the person that they were trying to take care of or weren't sharing responsibility for, which I think is, is a tragedy because it's bad enough if if those relationships are strained with a parent who has a lot of medical needs or needs a lot of assistance, and then that person passes away and there isn't a process necessarily for healing that back over for rehabilitating those relationships, and uh, as many times as this has come up on the podcast, I have yet to hear one example where uh, the brokenness that resulted in in that type of situation ended up being repaired after the fact. In fact, it can just get worse, and and lead into ba- basically a longer term estrangement. So, and I think that's a horrible outcome. I would hate for that to happen with my own children, and part of that just comes back to my radical commitment to open conversations and um, trying to make sure that um, I'm supporting myself the best that I can and anticipating that so that they won't necessarily have to be in the middle. I would hate to impact their relationships because of my own aging process, which I think it obviously my aging process is is inevitable, but the brokenness that can come from that, I hope is is not. And so anyway, so I go back to the concept of we talked about sketching out what is enough or what does enough look like, and then taking a step back even before that and saying, where in my brain does this come from? And one of the things I would evaluate is when we go back to sort of some of the people-pleasing behaviors or the constant chasing of affirmation or feeling that you have done enough or that you are successful, going back to sort of that withholding of affirmation or withholding of attention, if you were a product of that in your own household, and then getting affirmation or attention is a big deal for your brain and it releases all this dopamine, then you're constantly chasing that that boy, that girl, that slap on the back, you did a great job type thing. And like I said, you can kind of stay, the brain can very much stay in that rat race in multiple areas of life. And it, it will feel very natural to fall right back into that when you have this idea of I'm I'm a child, they're the parent, and am I doing enough for that? So anyway, so the question before what is enough is why are we asking ourselves that? Where does that come from? Where do you think that comes from? And to challenge a belief that at least that that's something that's apparent in everybody's brain, because that's definitely a feature of your brain that again can kind of hurt or help depending on on how it's used. And so I would say if we're reflecting on part of the reason I have these conversations in my own head and with you on the podcast is is kind of moving forward, like what can I do differently or what am I doing in my day-to-day life to sort of discourage that rat race in the brain of, of enough. And it comes down to me trying to even watch my own language around myself or my children and not using the "you're not good enough," "you're not fast enough," "you're not doing whatever it is" as a feedback system, and and that just to to help discourage those neural pathways from setting up, being like, "Okay, well, somebody else defined enough, and then you went and and you you tried to achieve it." So going back to to more like an internal motivation, what are your goals, and then having that fuel go back going talking about that fuel system again. Not so much like fueled out of fear of not being enough, but fueled out of a desire to achieve or a desire to improve or a desire to learn. And that fuel is a much healthier, less polluting fuel in your own soul and in your own mind and can get you a lot farther. And so it, it comes down, all like I said, just to even cleaning up the language and how we speak to ourselves and how we speak to each other. And and not trying to basically exploit the mechanisms in the brain that are afraid of not being enough. And that's a very primitive drive to always be enough. And what it means in your brain is that you will be accepted and you'll stay as part of the tribe, and you won't be put out of the tribe. So you won't starve to death in in the forest, right? we want to be aware of that neural pathway existing and not participate in creating that. And I would say it also flows the other direction. And and I've heard this just as much as anything else, which is my aging parent isn't doing enough. They're not taking good care of themselves or not saving enough money they're not buying long-term care insurance. They're not going to the doctor. They're not taking care of their medications, whatever it is. And you living in that as well can be really challenging. So now you're the person deciding what's enough, what is enough, right? And then applying that to somebody else. And there's a point at which you can say, hey, I noticed you didn't go to the doctor. Is that because you need help with transportation? That's that's different. But this idea, this chronic feeling that somebody is not doing enough that puts you right back again in that same cycle, that same situation, where now you start to see what what your brain will now focus on is everything that they're doing wrong. And that is, to me, one of the things that will rob, definitely rob experiences and relationships, particularly at the end of life. And at the late stages of life, when very little can be done to extend quality of life, and us kind of hyper-focusing on, well, they didn't take their blood pressure medication on Tuesday and they they forgot to take their cane when they went to the store and they did this and they did that. Not that these things aren't important or that we can't help try to address some of the safety issues that we bring up, but I also just want to question and understand what that does inside the brain is, is continue to encourage the brain to focus on lack, on what somebody isn't doing correctly. And I think it's a subversive way that the brain is coping with the loss of function of somebody else that you care about or you love or somebody that was helping you in your life and now that person is needing help, something like that. And so this idea that that instead of just experiencing the grief of loss of whatever that is that lost in your life, then it can very quickly sort of transform into this focus on well, they're not doing anything to help themselves. And that was mentioned back in the podcast with David Stewart. And there were some comments that podcast that gave me pause. And when I went back to edit, I almost took some of them out, but I didn't because that what he articulated, I think is a very common sentiment, which is that if, if people just did more to take care of themselves, there wouldn't be such a burden. And it just, trust me, got my Vital signs all out of whack, kind of listening back to this and ha- being part of the conversation, not anything against what was said, just this idea of yes, of course, that sentiment is out there that if somebody just quote unquote, did enough to take care of themselves, this wouldn't even be an issue, which clearly, as a clinician is not always the case. I mean, people can develop so many different medical conditions, cancer, dementia, all sorts of things that doesn't matter if they, whatever, they could do everything perfectly their whole life and still end up having difficulty. But but what he touched on, it was so difficult for me to talk about, but I'm glad that it came up, was the sentiment that I think is present to an extent in a lot of different scenarios, which is, is that person doing enough to prevent them from becoming a burden to me? And that is a, <laughs> you wouldn't talk about a dangerous rabbit hole of a thought, whether it's applied to a spouse or a child or an aging parent, that is a very challenging place for your brain to be and can take things well out of context. But anyway, I just wanted to bring this up because there is that thought as well. Well, if they were doing enough, then this wouldn't be an issue. I wouldn't have to worry about this. And if they saved enough money and had great health and went to the doctor enough, then I wouldn't have to worry about it. And so I would challenge you to be aware also of your brain using enough against other people. And the extent to which that we can drop back into controlling what we can control, living within our value system, loving and respecting other people to the best of our ability, and then whatever choices they're making and participate in a way that feels as as good as it can for ourselves, then that keeps us out of that horrible judgment cycle of somebody that ostensibly you care about. And again, I go back to how it can deteriorate a relationship or an experience when you go over to their house and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they're they didn't take their pills correctly yesterday. And oh my God, I can't believe that they didn't fix this part of the kitchen or something like that. And, and again, that doesn't mean we don't address those safety issues where we can, but the idea is when we're training the brain to understand that they're not enough, then we're going to continue to look for that. And then that's going to eventually change that relationship. So anyway, sorry about the giant soapbox for that. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed the discussion of enough. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm just going to start putting some where I can some bloopers at the end of my podcast, because they happen all the time. And the, the blooper I'm going to include is my daughter walking in to talk to me while I was recording this. And again, I go back to am I doing enough? So I want to make sure that I have the podcast recorded and published on time, but then I also want to make sure I'm here for my kids. And so there it's just funny that I'm having this podcast and then this and sort of other other need pops up and I have to make a split second decision of well, maybe I could do the podcast and talk to her, but I guess we'll do it at the same time. But I didn't know how to pause the recording. So yeah. Anyway, so I'll include that. But I also want to say just thank you guys so much for listening. I'm getting uh, great feedback. We're up over 4,000 downloads and that's just been so much fun. So thank you for listening to me rattle on and on and go on all these soapboxes. I hope that it it's helpful for you. Please do reach out if it if you're finding anything helpful or you want to leave me some feedback. Again, please leave a review. Anyway, all right. I'm done talking for now. Thank you so much. I hope you all have a wonderful and very warm week. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, yes, Athena? I love you. Okay. Oh, guess what? What? So today we made Okay, so we made like $10 in fourth grade bear bucks. Yeah. And like four or $5 in in real bear bucks. That's awesome. I'm really proud of you. Welcome. Awesome. You can go take a shower. Okay. All right. So I'll go back to talking about Athena. You saw my phone. I saw you. Okay. Hey everyone. It's Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'd like to take just a moment to review the disclaimer. This podcast is for informational and occasional entertainment purposes only. Nothing discussed here is formal medical, legal, or financial advice. By listening to the podcast we are not creating a patient doctor relationship between you and myself or any of the guests really it's just me and a possible guest or two sometimes three sitting around talking about difficult topics related to aging parents if you have or suspect that you might have a medical problem or condition you should seek advice from a licensed medical professional If you have any questions or concerns, please read the full disclaimer in the show notes or contact me directly. Thank you again for joining us today. I can't wait to see you next week. Have a good day.